Yeah, Ski New Hampshire is, is a wonderful organization for the fact that um, it really helps us work together as a state, right? So we're kind of competing against each other for skiers, but we're also competing against other states. So we want to emphasize why coming to New Hampshire is the best. So having a central organization, uh, association to do that is, is something that we need to have. I got a piece of land out in the countryside lay back and smell the sun warm up the georgia pie it's so good to be taking it easy why would i ever leave cause i know i got some good friends that live down the street got a good looking woman with her arms around me here in a small town Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, a podcast about just having fun skiing and riding. I'm your host, Jeff Shawman. It is Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. For those new to the podcast, you will hear stories from the slopes, pray laughs, and fun ski trivia games. This episode will feature an interview with Lori Rowell, Director of Marketing and Sales at Pat's Peak. Pat's Peak is deep in history loaded with fun lift ticket packages and expanded terrain, all of which emphasize the whole point is skiing. This episode will also include familiar segments, an outdoor state of mind, ski news of the week-ish, and more ski trivia questions. That homegrown intro tune was brought to you by Zach Brown Band. Whether your chicken is fried or you're knee-deep in some pow, sit back, kick your feet up, Relax and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powderhounds. in a small town where it feels like home. I got everything I need. And nothing that I don't. Everything I need. And nothing that I don't. We will begin the episode with a familiar segment. An outdoor state of mind. Topic, October snowfall, Northeast edition. That's right. The Northeast has joined our higher elevation ski area siblings in waking up to that fluffy white stuff. While the snowfall is not expected to last, it sure got me grinning ear to ear this morning. It was equally satisfying scrolling through photos of multiple snow-covered backyards thanks to the good old Powderhounds group me chat. Hooray snow. Part of me wanted to throw on my ski gear and get a run or two on the former Buena Vista ski area, now a nine-hole golf course near my house. Locals, you heard that right. Like you were doing this second, I recently learned prior to the golf course, indoor pool, tennis courts, and ice skating rink, that land served as a ski hill in the 1940s to early 1970s. Town historian Tracy Wilson included a chapter about skiing at Buena Vista in her book, Life in West Hartford. Still don't believe me? Here are a few excerpts. The recreation department set up three ski trails at Buena Vista and provided a first aid toboggan. 
the West Hartford Outing Club organized activities on a practice and advanced slope. In February 1945, the Ski Committee of the West Hartford Outing Club sponsored ski racing at Buena Vista. Elementary, junior, and senior high school boys and girls ran a series of races in February with the hopes of winning an emblem for their ski jackets at the end of the season. On the Sunday after Christmas in 1947, according to the Hartford Current, over 600 people skied on the three slopes. By the second week in January 1948, the town provided lights for night skiing. The Recreation Department offered free ski lessons to both children and adults. By February 12, 1948, the Recreation Department counted almost 8,000 skiers. As late as 1972, the Parks and Rec Department sponsored free downhill ski lessons at Buena Vista. And that's not the end of the West Hartford ski story. Thanks to the New England Lost Ski Area Project, I also learned that there was skiing at Renbrook School, located about halfway up Avon Mountain. This ski area consisted of a rope tow and an open hill. It was set up in the mid-60s, but only operated for a few years for students of the school. So there you go. Skiing in West Hartford of all places. Now, I doubt the folks at Renbrook would be happy if anyone attempted to hike up and ski their hill. But hey, once the golf course closes for the season, the public is welcome to recreate on the land. I got my eye on a line starting on that hole number six. Moving on to Ski News of the Week-ish. Topics, Race to Opening Days, Warren Miller's 71st Film, and Telluride Gets Creative with Gondolas. Let's start with the Race to Opening Days. Now this is courtesy of local freshies. Now technically, Big Snow in New Jersey, an indoor ski area outside New York City, did open first in September. But eligibility for this honor roll is for outdoor ski areas only. Here we go. October 19th, the first U.S. ski area to open. Due to their geographic location, Wild Mountain in Minnesota can begin shooting snow a bit earlier than their neighbors. For the 2020-21 season, they've kept their 40-year tradition alive of being the first in the state to open. Although it was just a rope tow and the terrain park that day, they've already expanded their offerings to include two more trails and a chairlift. October 24th, first ski area in Canada to open. The ski area benefited from some of the earliest and most significant snowstorms they've ever had. These snowstorms, together with cold temperatures, have allowed Norquay in Alberta to kick off their snowmaking at a roaring pace. Per the ski area, this is the earliest opening on record in their 95-year history. October 28th the first ski area to open in Ski Country, USA. That's right, Colorado. Being the first ski resort to open in Colorado is an award that typically is chased by perennial snowmaking giants A-Basin and Loveland. Well, the annual fight has been won, and it wasn't one of the normal winners. Instead, it is Wolf Creek Ski Resort in southwest Colorado on natural snow. After a storm dumped over 22 inches of snow, they were able to run three lifts on October 28th. Here in the Northeast, many of us are eagerly awaiting the big winner. Hopefully, that ski area is nearby. Up next, Warren Miller's annual ski film. 
Now, to build on the opening day's Stoke momentum, Warren Miller Entertainment is about to kick off the first of three virtual film screenings of the company's 71st film, Future Retro. The schedule is this. Saturday, November 7th, East Coast Show. Saturday, November 14th, Mountain and Central Show. Saturday, November 21st, The West Coast Show. Now, I saw the two-minute trailer featuring Steeps, Powder, Helicopters, Smiles, and just some sick skiing and riding moves. From Ski Magazine, quote, Nothing can cancel Winter Stoke or the Warren Miller tradition of kicking off the ski season with its annual film. And while the showing of Warren Miller Entertainment's Future Retro goes virtual this year, in light of the pandemic, it promises to live to deliver the stoke and action we've come to expect from every other Warren Miller film over the last 70 years. The film includes some favorite characters from years past. Scott Schmidt, the Egan brothers, the athlete-turned-videographer Tom Day, Parkin Constant, and Maria and Jack Lovely. Each virtual screening will feature favorite Warren Miller screening traditions, including swag giveaways, lift ticket deals, backstage passes to meet athletes, and a virtual red carpet pre-show with host and narrator Johnny Mosley. General admission tickets are priced at $30 and accommodate a family or household to support hosting your own socially safe watch party. Ticket holders will receive access to the film via a single device and will include door prize entry, swag, and coupon codes for up to four people. The film will be available for 48 hours on demand after the show. And finally, a pretty cool story out of Telluride, Colorado refurbished gondolas as private dining rooms. Now talk about creative. The town of Mountain Village at Telluride has come up with a new way to dine privately. A collection of 20 dining cabins scattered in the base plaza made from refurbished gondola cars. The cabins, which are being refurbished by the gondola shop, will have lights in the ceiling and under chairs, heating and ventilation systems, cushioned seats with black leather coverings, wooden dining tables, easy sliding doors, and sturdy floors that can withstand wear and tear from ski boots. The gondola shop refurbishes gondola cars it bought from Steamboat Resort in Colorado and Killington Resort in Vermont. Zoe Dornau, Business Development and Sustainable Director for the Town of Mountain Village, said, The dream is that eight people could fit, I think, comfortably, but it will be more like six. We will see it being an apres ski element in the future. Now you can order one too. A sauna will cost you $25,000 <laughs> and gondola cabins without added accessories run about $9,000. Now after reading this, I'm thinking the old Stratton gondolas that can be seen from the road along rural Vermont highways should be donated back to the mountain for increased dining capacity this season. Moving on to our featured topic, winter is coming. The topic? Pat's Peak, New Hampshire. The featured topic is a fun one, Pat's Peak, New Hampshire. A special thank you to Lori Rao, Director of Marketing and Sales, for taking the time out of a ridiculously busy schedule to talk to me. Just like skiing all day, we covered a lot of ground, but just a couple program notes before we send it. First, the Pats in Pat's Peak is short for Pattenaud, the name of the founding family who built the ski area and has owned it for 58 consecutive years. Second, Pat's Peak has a lot of fun history that I knew we wouldn't have time to talk about. One highlight was in 1974, Pat's Peak hosted the U.S. National Slalom Championships. 
You may ask yourself, how did a relatively smaller size ski area in southern New Hampshire land such a prestigious event? The short answer, snowmaking. The better answer, Pat's Peak had snow when other ski areas did not, thanks to Snow White and the Seven Wells. Disney movie this is not. Snow White was the largest single snowmaking compressor in New England. Built in 1936, Snow White has been the heart of Pat's Peak snowmaking operations since 1972, which is fed by the Seven Wells water supply. Who said you can't have a little fun when talking winter ops shop? Finally, I whiffed on the price of the pay one price or pop pass, a package lift ticket offering. There is not one set price, but a range of prices based on the time you're on the slopes. Now, if you listen closely, Lori offers a great insider tip for maximizing the pop pass on your next visit. Pat's Peak is projecting an opening day for either the Saturday after Thanksgiving or the first Saturday in December. Check their social channels for updates. Thank you again, Lori, for taking the time to speak to me. And thank you to the Pat's Peak team for your commitment to making skiing and riding happen this season. Enjoy. Our guest today is Lori Rowell, Director of Marketing and Sales, Pat's Peak. Lori is in her 16th season at Pat's Peak. Previously, Lori was at Okemo for six years. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, before we dig into Pat's Peak, tell us a little about yourself, uh, background in the outdoor industry, and where are you from? Um, I'm originally from New Hampshire, grew up in northern New Hampshire, went to college in southern New Hampshire, made my way over to Vermont after college to work at Iscaria in Vermont. Uh, so I was lucky enough to spend my 20s working at Iscaria and spending my days on the mountain, which was um, a really it kind of just happened and I look back on it and think that's pretty cool the way to um, really enjoy yourself. I made some really great friends. It was a really great place to be. It was a mountain community, a lot of young people. And then I decided um, I was lucky enough to get a job at Pat's Peak to be the marketing director. And it was um, time to move back to New Hampshire where I grew up and where my family is and friends uh, from New Hampshire. And I got to uh, start a family here. And now my kids, go skiing every weekend. Um, they're very lucky. They've been skiing since they were three and they really have um, a joy of being at the ski area, which I'm really happy for. And um, so now I've been, uh, so that's 16 years at Pat's Peak. So. That is quite a run and uh, got to say that uh, I'm pretty jealous when thinking about you know, skiing every weekend. Uh, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty unique and pretty, Pretty awesome. Now, um, what? Uh, now, I understand you are a snowboarder, although maybe you've dabbled in skiing before. But uh, how long have you been snowboarding? So <clears throat> I was a skier, and then when I moved to Vermont, all my friends were snowboarders, and they were instructors. So I was like, okay, let's learn snowboarding. So um, I spent all my time, all my days off practicing because I wanted to be able to keep up with them because they were a lot faster and better than me. So um, I ended up doing that. And so I just really like it. And I think, okay, I'm like a mid forties mom. I, on my snowboard, I probably should go back to skiing with my kids, but I, I really do like it. And unfortunately I don't get as much time on the mountain as I would like because I'm working and I just think, okay, 
I, I keep telling the ski instructors, okay, we're gonna, you're gonna take me out. We're gonna go skiing, but I just have fun snowboarding. So I will go back to skiing at some point. It's just kind of been fun and it's just, it's just, it's just fun to go um, night skiing with my kids and mm-hmm. or snowboarding and skiing. So, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome to be able to uh, be proficient at both. So uh, definitely a little jealous of uh, that, even though you might not get out as much as you'd like to, of course, uh, working at the mountain. Uh, that's always one of those things folks sometimes don't realize. You think that, oh yeah, you could ski every day all the time. It's like, well, no, we got a job to do. I noticed yeah. them. got to respond to crisis. Uh, so it's not always the case, but uh, like you said, uh, it's nice to also have the opportunity to do night skiing, which we'll, we'll get into that being one of the uh, uh, Pat's Peak offerings. But real quick, a couple uh, last minute questions about your snowboarding and alpine uh, or skiing experience. Uh, what kind of gear do you use? Are you a gear aficionado or do you just sort of whatever's available? Let's go with it. Let's make it last as long as it it, it can before the technology is either obsolete or I break these yeah. things. <laughs> um, yeah. Being a mom, you know, you think, oh, I just got to keep getting my kids stuff. and But I do have opportunity to get stuff. But um, I tend to still ride in my Burton board that I really enjoy. So um, when I, when I first started, you know, it was just, I don't just got a board, didn't know anything about it. And then I realized it's like woman specific boards and I got on that and I was like, well, this is great. <laughs> this is really nice. So I do stick to that, um, right now. Um, and they do, I have gotten other equipment, but I've gotten newer ones along the way, but I do mm-hmm. enjoy the. And what about, oh, I'm sorry. Um, just a question about your favorite mountain to ride or do you have a destination mountain to ride well besides pat's peak of course because you know but, of course. My favorite place ever <laughs> <laughs> um but when i'm not at work and i have the opportunity to go somewhere else um a couple areas in uh well in new hampshire loon i like going to loon um had some fun time there and in vermont where i used to work at okimo i know that mountain like the back of my hand so um it's fun. Um, a couple years ago, we took the kids there for a day of skiing and it was just, we just had so much fun. So, you know, any, anytime we can get out on the mountain, like I said, when I take my kids out night skiing, we have so much fun or they, um, come with their friends. And so, but yeah, those are some of the places that I've been to lately besides working. <laughs> well, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, pull yourself. I would imagine it's, it's hard to pull yourself away. It's right there. And, uh, you know, you're obviously an insider, you work there. So, uh, it's, 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 uh, and it's just convenient. Uh, but yeah, uh, last nice, question. Oh, go ahead. A nice, nice bluebird day. And you're just like in the office going, it's like a, you know, a weekday morning and it's kind of quiet. You're like, mm, I'll be back. <laughs> so like, yeah, you can't, give, can't, you know, so if it just snowed or just, Mm-hmm. It's just nice. It's quiet. You can just go out and get a few runs in, get like five or six runs in and come back and it feels great. You know, that feeling of being out there and just enjoying the different terrain and just, it's nice feeling. Well, that's a great segue to the last question of this sort of early lightning round. And that is in terms of that terrain, what is your preference groomers, bumps, glades, or steeps? Hmm. I like groomers. I like to just go carve it out and just, just enjoy like going <laughs> quietly. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a super fast, like crazy uh, snowboarder anyways, but I just love the, just on a nice, like soft snow day, just going back and forth. It's so nice. Yeah, no, I I'm right there with you. And uh, I imagine you're also probably chasing the, 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 the younger 
folk too, probably down some of those other trails and maybe not enjoying it as much if they're uh, burning down. But uh, yeah. well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about um, your uh, background in the outdoor industry and of course your, your passion for getting out there on the mountain, both uh, riding and skiing. Uh, let's shift down a little bit of, about Pat's Peak and I'll just kick it off from uh, a little bit of the mountain statistics and, and where it's located. So we're located in Henniker, New Hampshire, about Southern New Hampshire, about 20 minutes west of Concord, New Hampshire, Mountain Stats, Opened in 1963, summit elevation 1,460 feet, vertical 770 feet, trails 28, lifts 11, 100% night skiing, 100% snowmaking on developed terrain, and three terrain parks. Lori, did I get most of that right? You did. No, that's great. Um, <laughs> the other thing we have is the snow tubing park, which is kind of fun and unique. So some people might choose to just come snow tubing or go skiing and then go snow tubing. So that's kind of a fun um, option that we offer to um, just to get out in the winter time. Yes. And I, and I think I saw that uh, in uh, one of the notes, sort of a, a combination pass that you can get uh, for, for, I guess, both of those things, which we'll dig in in, in a minute. Uh, but I did want to start with a little bit of the background, the roots of Pat's Peak. And um, again, I'm just took this from your website. So again, not original material for me at all, but uh, thank you so much and your colleagues for putting it together. Pat's Peak began as a family-owned ski area. The family is the Pentonauds. Patenods, as the story goes, uh, and as again your website attests, in 1962, the four Patenod brothers, Joe, David, Wayne, and Stuart, spent a lot of time skiing. They also spent a lot of time standing in lift lines. So they decided to make, uh, well, home, Henniker was their home, and they decided to build their own ski mountain. That's pretty amazing story. Uh, <laughs> Pat's Peak Lodges are built from lumber cut from the mountain that was owned by the four brothers' father, Merle. Beams 30 feet long were uh, hewn at the family sawmill and construction of the main lodge began in the spring of 1962 by the four brothers, family and friends. Again, that's a pretty unique story. 58 straight years of the same family ownership, certainly with a lasting effect and legacy of the ski area. So I guess, uh, Lori, I just, can you talk a little bit about the, the family's uh, impact that again, that 58 year run uh, and the evolution of the ski area? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> They, they were really heavily involved for many years um, as it, was, it started with the four brothers, but then it came down to Joe and Wayne um, that really ran it for about 40 years um, with their families. It's, it's fun to talk to their wives too, because Sally will be like, yeah, we used to cook the cookies and the food and everyone would come in from the race team and eat. And <laughs> it's just really like such a fun place for the whole family and the kids that um, their kids will just say like, I mean, what a way to grow up. You would go skiing every day and your family's there. And, you know, so, um, so for then, um, so, and the, after that, then Wayne and Sally are the sole owners now. So Wayne is one of the brothers. Um, so they're the owners um, with their, with their kids. So they have a couple children too, that are, um, are on it with them. So they have totally taken a step back that um, being on property, they're not usually there, they just come for visits. Um, but the general manager, Chris Blombeck, runs the uh, mountain uh, with their guidance. So he's the go-to and on mountain uh, property uh, property person that um, runs it. So it's pretty cool um, for him too, because he gets to run the ski area um, like on, on his own, pretty much, you know, with their guidance, but it's pretty much day-to-day um, -day operation we run. We have like a, a, a group of directors in different areas that work together and we just do, you know, come up with 
with ways to provide the best product and customer service. So. Yeah, and I was just again reading a little bit uh, again on your website just to, to kind of get a, a, a good sense of uh, what, what is being offered. And a, a couple things popped out and uh, just feel free to comment on any or all or, or uh, whatever you see fit. But it sounds like uh, there's been a focus in uh, school pro programs and there's an estimated, I guess in 1986, about 5,000 uh, school-aged children were involved in some kind of program on the mountain. And then um, fast forward to uh, more modern times, more than 8,000 children, I guess are estimated to be in some sort of uh, ski, uh, ski or ride program. There's also, again, we referenced earlier, the snow tubing, uh, the debut of the pay one price, the pop program, which bundles lift tickets, rentals, lessons, and snow tubing for uh, a reasonable amount, $21 at least uh, from from what I saw. Um, and, and then just, uh, again, 100% um, snowmaking, night skiing, terrain parks, you know, there's a sense of, of uh, real, um, you know, certainly uh, family friendly, but also a lot of fun. Um, so just anything like, that, you know, jump out at you there? Yeah, so our pot program started back in the, I think it was the um, early 2000s. I don't remember the date. It was before I started, but so it's been probably 20 years. Um, so the price is a little different now, but it's still a great deal. Um, it um, is really a good deal because it helps people um, give them the opportunity to try it. And it, like I said, it includes um, a lesson tips. So we have instructors put out there um, in the beginner areas just to guide people along. And then it includes the rental equipment and the ticket for the night. And then if you're like, okay, I'm done with this, I'm just going to go tubing. You can go tubing too. So, <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. Or if you've, um, you ski and you want to learn to snowboard, you could get the equipment that way too. So that's kind of a cool thing too. So you can like switch, you know, try a different sport um, with the opportunity to do that. So um, that's been a really popular program and um, a lot of people take advantage of that. And it's fun to go night skiing too. It's just, it's just a different feel. And if you want to try it, it's a good way to try it too. No question. I, my, my, I loved night skiing back in uh, a few years back and I finally did it, finally was able to do it last year, uh, this past season. It was just so much fun. I, it, it's amazing how, you know, you're just the entire perception of space and time and sound just changes uh, at night. And um, while, of course, you know, I'm, there was probably a, a good dozen younger uh, skiers and riders zooming by me that clearly have better vision <laughs> and, and less and no fear. <laughs> so uh, but it's a ton of fun. So it, it, it's just such a great offering. Um, uh, let's go back. I, I skipped over a couple earlier uh, historical points. I just wanted to uh, mention, I don't know if they're that important, but it jumped out at me, at least in, in some of the, the things I came across. The snowmaking debuted in the early 70s, of course, is well before your time. So I don't expect you to know too much about it. But I saw that uh, an affectionately named air compressor, Snow White in the Seven Wells. Is yeah. that a... Uh, <laughs> What's yeah, we still have the Snow White. So <clears throat> the the Patnode brothers were like reinventing things instead of just buying like they don't didn't buy like the the um, latest and greatest air um, product for the snowmaking. They went and got something that was rebuilt, and then they they named it Snow White. I, I don't remember why they named it Snow White, but we still have a building that says Snow White on it, and the and the whole thing is still in there. Obviously, it's had a lot of upgrades along the way and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, they were pretty in, in, intuitive in coming up with a snowmaking system, like one of the first 
ski areas in New England to come up with um, snowmaking, realizing, okay, we need snow. <laughs> Can't go skiing if we don't have snow. How are we going to make snow? So um, it's pretty cool that they um, were able to figure out a way. And we focus our, our every year, our, our upgrades are always focused on snowmaking, whether it's new snowmaking equipment or snowmaking pipelines or the power line and all these things that you need. Um, that's why we have 100% snowmaking coverage because we know that we need to have a great product and, and the way to have a great product is to put out the snow, whether it's natural or man-made. And then our grooming team is fantastic to like get it all ready for, um, for this, for us to get out there and, uh, enjoy it. So, I mean, if we don't have a good product, then we can't have skiing and <laughs> snowboarding. <laughs> yes. And I also noticed there's been a few additional uh, solid products uh, in terms of uh, newer lifts. The, correct me if I'm wrong, but the peak double uh, was, uh, became a, a peak triple chair in a couple of years back. So that's again, new, uh, new infrastructure, as well as the development of the Cascade Basin, a new ski area with about 20 additional acres of terrain, six trails and two glades. Um, so there's obviously been some expansion plans. Can you just talk about the, those, uh, those decisions, uh, opening up a little bit more of the mountain and is that something that uh, customers can expect going forward? Yeah, so the Cascade Basin area was um, to give us more of the same, more of the same kind of terrain we have because that's what people enjoy. That's what the skiers and, and it's not like to give us like steeper terrain or anything, but we have a bunch of uh, a mixture of all of it over there. Um, but so it was basically to move people around and give them more area. So um, and so what was kind of cool because we debuted it on our 50th anniversary that we had gifts for our our, our uh, skiers and snowboarders and we debuted the new area and we opened a couple trails and we, a lift and a couple trails and what's cool about our new lifts is they're not new lifts they're refurbished lifts so we actually get lifts um, and take them down some of them we've taken down ourselves and refurbished to put back up so um, which is actually really cool we send like our our lift team down to or up wherever to an area and take down a lift, which is pretty awesome. And then um, they are involved in putting the lift back up. So we did that for the Cascade Basin lift and the Peak, peak Triple. So um, over in the Cascade Basin area, we do have um, some gladed areas. We have beginner trails. We have all, all types of trails. We have um, one of a couple of each, so. And it's cool. So it's, it's just like, it's a nice feeling back there. You like literally come around the corner and you see the lift and it's like, oh, it's just quiet. and. Um, it's a really nice lift that gets you right up and um, you can do a bunch of laps in there if you want, which is cool. And then you take a trail back into the main mountain. Gotcha. Now it sounds like, again, refurbishing some of the existing infrastructure uh, probably saves quite a bit on the capital side of the budget. Is that uh, sort of a strategic decision? Yes. So what we do is we don't take loans on our, um, on what we need to, and we reinvest what we make into the mountain. So we try not to ex extend our credit line. So instead we just, that's, this helps obviously a lot to be able to uh, refurbish the lifts instead of creating, and, and there's nothing wrong with the lifts. It's just one of them was like an amusement park that didn't want it anymore. And so it's like, or a ski area that's not open anymore. Um, we got from, um, so it's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just, there's different reasons. So I think it's pretty awesome that we are able um, to do that and have the, um, that the general manager is able to like have the foresight to do something like that. Yeah, it's it not just, like we take them down and put them right up. We take them down. We think about what we're going to do with them and get them refurbished. And so, 
it just seems like such a massive undertaking. So I give your, you know, the team and everyone that's involved with that so much credit, just the, the towers. I mean, just the weight, you know, being at certainly different parts of steep, uh, you know, grade on a mountain uh, and then being able to obviously transport all the different pieces, you know, across state lines, wherever they need to go. Uh, that's just, we did have the, um, the helicopter bringing him in the towers. Um, we put in the triple, which was cool. Um, to watch because we, we were like flying right over us over the building we were able to like take video and pictures and it was pretty cool uh, i'm not an engineer but i i give them so <laughs> i'm in awe sometimes about you know what's possible and uh, that's that's really cool to, to hear that uh you've been able to do that at uh, pat's peak um i want to move on a little bit to the upcoming winter season uh and uh certainly you know acknowledge you know the the challenges we're all dealing with the pandemic but i did see that pat's peak uh, is adopted the National Ski Areas Association Ski Well, Be Well best practices, uh, and certainly are, uh, um, you know, uh, New Hampshire, uh, uh, you know, travel advisory uh, guidelines and programs. Although I think I did see recently um, that uh, it's obviously going to change as things, things go, but uh, that uh, at least some of the surrounding states uh, around New Hampshire, that is, uh, that are not, um, you know, having an increase in cases are able to visit the state without having to do the um, two-week self-quarantine. So unfortunately, it doesn't include Connecticut at the moment, uh, as I think we've dipped into the red, but uh, hopefully that'll change change in, in, uh, in a month or so, and we'll be, we'll be able to do that. Um, so a couple questions. I did see that uh, from the operations side uh, that um, Pat's Peak has, has put out a few specific changes, and um, obviously this isn't everything, so feel free to add uh, or correct me, but I see that you're asking folks to consider the, their vehicle as uh, their personal base lodge, at least for their, uh, their gear, uh, sort of boot up at the car and uh, store, you know, other personal items there, uh, you know, pack folding chairs and something to cover the ground to get ready in the morning. Um, there's going to be more outdoor seating, including additional heaters and wind blocks to make eating, eating outdoors and, and taking a break outdoors more, more enjoyable, additional bathroom facilities at the base of the lifts. Um, what other changes can skiers and riders expect this upcoming season? So we are going to say, um, ask that they do buy they need to buy their lift tickets in advance and rentals so you are going to have the opportunity to buy what you want online and then when you get here um we we actually got some new um touchless kiosks so you'll literally take your barcode and scan it underneath the kiosk and your ticket will print out so you won't have to meet with a um a ticket seller to get your ticket you'll actually can get it that way if you have rentals then we'll have your rentals ready and waiting for you so you can just go ahead and make sure your boots fit and then move on and, and grab your stuff and, and head out so that'll make that process quicker. Um, you'll also be able to order your food from your phone. So uh, all our menu, our, our cafeteria menu will be on your phone and you can order it. You can say what time you wanna pick it up and then you pick it up at an outdoor to go window. So you can just pick it up outside. You can stay outside um, and eat outside. We, will, we do have access to the lodge, but it'll be limited. So we'll be clicking people in and out so we don't over, um, over get too many people in the lodge at the same time. Um, and then we'll just asking people that are inside to like, monitor your time so that you understand the other people are waiting to come in. So come in and out. Um, and the outdoor bathrooms are, I think are, are going to, people are going to be happy about because they're um, like a tractor trailer. So you have your own sink and, and toilet and area yourself, and then you can just head back out skiing. So you can literally be outside all day and not have to go into the lodge um, for the, the facilities, like for eating and, and that stuff. So um 
yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the, the, the big things that we're, we're trying to um, let people know of right now. And um, yeah, and we, it's, it's a work in progress, you know, every day we're trying to find, make sure we're covering all our bases and how we're going to do it. And now we're working on, so the online reservation system, basically to get your lift ticket and rentals, it'll be considered a reservation. You won't, you'll just be ordering it, but we, we had to create and are creating a, a, a way to do that online. So that's still a work in progress and it's getting to November. I'm getting a little nervous, but we're, we're, we're feeling like we're pretty good on our, our deadlines that we're hoping to meet and have it up soon. And then we just need to figure out exactly how we're going to roll it out. A lot of things change a lot. So we're still just trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do that, but we, we do have, you know, things in progress. Great. Yeah. And it, it does sound like it's been a major investment in technology and as you're describing it, at least a few of those, obviously we all want to go back to before March and unfortunately we can't. So we have to you know, deal with what we're, where we are now, but, but do, you, do you envision some of these changes to maybe not quite be permanent, but to be part of the plan kind of moving forward again, just more outdoor seating, a little bit more of the touchless, you know, reservations, uh, knowing maybe who's coming to the mountain uh, before they get there. Just yeah, I mean, all these things we kind of been talking about doing, but not like such a fast forward pace, you know, um, we've talked about getting um, touchless kiosks, and we've talked about um, getting, you know, having because we do people could order tickets in advance, but there was a, like a limited selection of what we were selling. So we were lucky that we already had like a system for that. It's now just adding all the other tickets because we do have lots of opportunities, lots of different options for people. We try to provide what people want. So there's, there's so many tickets that we offer. So now it's trying to organize those and to make sense for people trying to decide on their own because before we would have a ticket seller helping you decide what you thought was best for you, you know? So I think that is the part that I think um, that I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. You think there's going to be um, more, more folks, uh, you know, uh, um, able to field phone calls for, for questions. Is that also part of the Yeah. Plan? So we um, we're envisioning some of our, um, our employees that usually work the guest service desk um, we're going to have less people coming inside. We're going to try to get handle um, transactions outside at the ticket window. So some of those people we are hoping and planning on being more on the phones, answering questions on the phones and making, um, you know, making changes to reservations or whatever that people have created. We're still trying to work it out, but we, that's what we're kind of envisioning. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like you, I've been thinking about it of course, for many months. And uh, I know the opening date is nearing. And it sounds like you're really in, in really good shape. The barcode technology seems uh, just really easy, ease of use right there and um, trying to do the best to, to spread people out, keep them outside. So uh, it sounds like you're in a great position and uh, wish you the very best with that. I want to shift a little bit to some of the more the programs that uh, Pat's Peak offers. I Again, just on the website, I noticed that there's a number of different lessons, uh, programs for kids, uh, Women Only Wednesday, Taught by Women for Women, women, and certainly racing programs for adults as well as corporations. I'm not sure if some of that might be uh, tweaked this year. 
uh, based on the you know li limitations, uh, and of course some of the, um, the uphill policy. Maybe some uh, folk, more, do you expect more folks to actually? Let's start with the the, the other the lessons in the racing. Um, can you speak to that? Uh, is that yeah. uh, so, um, the Wow program, the Women's Only Wednesday, and the Adult Clinics? We plan on uh, so for the Women's Only Wednesday, we are going to make some changes so they're outside. So usually they would meet in the morning and do like yoga or or some sort of morning thing. Um, we're going to have more like um, a continental breakfast where they can eat outside or or um more quicker and get back get out skiing um and we're gonna do like uh before we did like a buffet lunch so we're gonna do like a, a to-go lunch like a, a packed up kind of thing so we're gonna make those type of changes um but we're still excited to offer the, the lessons and the skiing and giving them the um the tools to to be better skiers so and snowboarders that's the goal of the program so we're still going to be able to offer that um and then the adult racing corporate racing program. Again, we're it's on. We're we're just we're we're gonna have teams. Um, we're planning on doing the racing, um, and we're still working exactly like some check in, you know, and things like that. But we're we're gonna we're gonna have plans together. The race department is kind of just getting back into the mountain this time of year. They're kind of have other jobs when they come back in the fall. So, but we're working with them and. Um, you know, the appraised ski part after is going to be different. So we do, we are going to have the sled pub and the pub was, was just like one room before. So what we're going to do is we're going to spread it across the whole third floor. So we'll still have um, probably the same amount of tables. It's just, we have to spread them apart. So um, that'll be great. We're just going to not be able to have bands and entertainment to keep people there. Um, people need to eat and, um, and then go back skiing. So the whole point is to be skiing. So we're just reminding people of that, um, that that's the goal here is to get skiing and snowboarding on the mountain. So you can still eat, but you got to get back out there. Um, so I think that is nice that we're able to offer that. And we still have like great food in our pub and still, you know, plan on having a nice meal either in the pub or the cafeteria and, or bring your own food, whatever you think is works for you. Now, does that include also, I'm getting a sense that probably means almost acoustic Fridays is not happening? Yeah, no, I know. Okay. All the ent entertainment, that's like, a, that is like a guideline by the state of New Hampshire that there's no indoor bands. Okay, well, we will, uh, we'll put it, we'll put, a, you know, a uh, uh, <laughs> pin in that, but we will get back to that. We can have outdoor, so, you know, maybe in the spring we'll move to some outdoor entertainment or something like that. We just, you know, we haven't gotten that far yet, but I can see that other you can see that being a fun thing to do so we'll see what happens but well we're still gonna have fun <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh, we want to get outside and uh, and as you say get outside and go skiing or riding um, quick question just about your uphill policy do you envision more uphill uphill uh volume as well as uh the rental equipment for that will also be part of that, you know, a reservation system. So, you know, in advance people are coming or is it? Yeah, I think most people are on their own for that. Like they usually are people that already have their equipment and come early morning or late after, you know, when it's, it's less busy. Um, we, at this point, we don't plan on making any changes for it, but if things change and it becomes a problem, then we'll obviously have to, to address that. But right now we're just um, going to, with what we what we have because we do have some guidelines on what trails to be on and all that stuff so yeah now um we, we talked about having fun this is what it's about let's uh get outside go skiing go riding so we got night skiing uh, you also obviously have the um the tubing uh 
program or the tubing park. So how does that um, tell, talk to a little about the, 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 the tubing park? Yeah, so the changes we're doing to the tubing park is in, um, we're just doing two hour sessions. We used to do two hours and four hours, but we're doing two hours so that way we can get more people in. Um, and because we find that if you have a four hour ticket, you might not tube the whole four hours and then you, we don't really have anything else to do now because you can't go in the lodge as long and all that. So we're going to do two hour sessions and um, we have um, enough tubes per session. So everyone will, at this point, I think the plan, as far as I know, unless they change it, is for one, for you to have the same tube throughout your tubing session. So you would just keep the tube before you would get a different one. Um, and then we will clean them in between and all throughout the day and keep them sanitized that way, so. Great. And that obviously is part of the, uh, you know, lift ticket sales and, and season pass sales. Uh, the tubing is also part of that, even though it's a specific activity that, that's not downhill skiing or riding. But just curious, um, uh, how have uh, season pass sales been um, just maybe year on year or uh, with some of the other partner uh, uh, partners that you're, you're partner passes that you're on, which I will be my next question for you. So, but just curious in terms of maybe season passes starting there or single day lift tickets. I'm not sure if you're selling those yet. Um, how yeah, have we haven't started our single day lift tickets yet because we're still working on the reservation system. So okay. hopefully soon um, is the plan. And for the season passes, they're um, right where they should be. Um, we're expected. Um, we do have a deadline of November 1st for a price increase. So we'll see. Um, we have a couple more days for that. And then, um, will be um, at full price, but still still a good deal. Um, Hopefully I can uh, get the episode out before that so I can give you another yeah. boost. <laughs> I mean, it's still, a, it's, still a, it's still a good deal. So um, it's not like you're, you know, it's still, um, still buy them. And um, yeah, so, I mean, we're excited. We have lots of families that buy passes every year and, you know, we're excited that they have the opportunity to get outside. So that's just our biggest thing is that we're just, we're excited to offer everything that we can as long as we can and fingers crossed, you know, this is why we um, are asking people. So I guess that one of the things we didn't say is that um, people are required to wear face coverings in all areas. So unless you're eating or drinking, you need to wear a face covering. So when you're walking in the base area, walking in the parking lot, um, everywhere you go, because the best thing we can do right now is they tell us is to wear face masks, wear face covering. So uh, when you're in the lift lines to protect the um, your the lift operators, because you know we, we need to protect our employees. Because if our employees are sick, we can't run the ski area. So we're really trying to make sure that we're you know we just purchased masks or face cover, mask coverings for our, all our staff, so a couple each. So that's that's a lot of masks and a lot of money. So because we want them to um, have something that makes them, you know, um, feel safer based on what what we're what was what's we um, the guidelines that are are out there. So yeah, no we're just trying no to keep yeah. our staff um, happy, you know, happy and and healthy as much as we can. We're providing, um, you know, checking on them every day and all that. So. No, thank you for saying that because I probably glossed over a little bit with the Be Well, Ski Well, um, you know, uh, program uh, that uh, that uh, Pat's and other skiers have adopted. But that's exactly what what it is. And really, I'm glad that you just sort of emphasize the fact that got to keep staff healthy because staff run the mountain. And if there's right. staff are unhealthy, then 
uh, people can't enjoy the mountains. So we got to make sure that uh, they're they're certainly everyone is taken care of and, and, and as safe as possible. Um, I want to shift a little bit into the partnerships. And um, again, just the same idea of season pass uh, sales and uh, or, you know visitors and redemption of lift tickets. Uh, by now, listeners know all about the Indy Pass. <laughs> it's two days of skiing at 57 partner resorts around the country with 25% off additional days uh, of the rack rate. And uh, Pat's Peak is on the Indy Pass. I believe this is the second year. So you were one of the first, you were on the pass in the first year. Um, how was the first year uh, participating in terms of skier visits? Um, it was pretty good. I think it was pretty fun to have people come that have never been to Pat's Peak before or like, oh, I've wanted to come, but you know, I just didn't and now I can. And um, so it was fun to have people from different states that don't always come. Um, so it is, it is a really great deal and a really cool thing to have as a skier, you know, going to different areas and um, it's affordable and it's pretty cool because independent small areas are fun and they just have a different feel and so it's nice to um and it's cool as a as, a, as an indie pass holder to like make a plan and see what you know how, how many you can go to and and it is it's across the whole country I mean that's pretty awesome and so you know it's a little more difficult this year for traveling but um I'm sure people will still find ways to have some many uses on it depending where they're where they're from yeah, and I just, uh, as a reminder, I glossed over the price. It's uh, $199 for, uh, for an Indy Pass. Again, that's 57 partner resorts across the country. But if you have a season pass, say at Pat's Peak, you can add an Indy Pass to go to the other mountains in the Northeast, for, presumably for just $129. So as, as you said, it is a good deal. Now, I did read somewhere, now the internet is a curious place at times, but I did read somewhere that Pat's Peak, I think was the top five in terms of redemption rates last year. So I'm just curious if you of your colleagues have talked about your expectations for visitors this season, even, you know, despite the limitations. For, yeah, for the I mean, no, they've, they've, they've sold a lot more Indy passes than in the past. So, um, than last year. So yeah, it's, it's hard to know how many are, are going to come on a weekend, you know, so we are still trying to figure out, um, we, we do think, we will probably make it part of the reservation system. So we know, but I'm not exactly sure what we're doing with that yet, just because we're still trying to work through the rest of it. Um, so yeah, there's, it's, this, this reservation system is, is not simple as a marketing person because there's so many different things out there and I'm going, what about this? What about that? And everyone's like, um, so. Um, yeah, well, when, once we know, I know the Indy Pass uh, website has a page saying what everyone's expectations are at the different areas. So obviously the biggest thing right now is to know before you go anywhere. So look it up. Um, when we know, we'll definitely be telling them um, to put it on their website and we'll have it. So that way people know um, what the expectations are. But I mean, I think that's the general uh, message this year is to know before you go definitely check every website uh, read what you can call if you have questions because or or, or message or whatever email because um, there's just so much information I keep thinking every day like am I explaining it right do I have enough information out there are they going to read every tab I don't know and how do you make sure they've they've 
read everything and do I have it on there? Did I put that on there? I'm, I'm constantly going back to the page going, did I put, oh yeah, okay, I put that on there because I'm trying to remember where I put everything um, because things keep changing and adding and that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, so, I mean, I think that um, if you have an Indie Pass and you have the opportunity to, to get out there, I think it's a pretty good, um, pretty good um, product that was created. Great. Well, I, again, I, I um, will also emphasize the no before you go. Absolutely. That's gospel this year. And I also just want to, uh, you know, as a customer, uh, want to say that uh, and all other customers, please be patient. Like as Lori just described, this is complicated. There, you know, a lot of ski areas, Pat speaks specifically with the technology, trying to get it right. They have a lot of different offerings that could be unusual to, to other mountains that, uh, so, so be, be patient, know what, know, you know, what to expect. And, um, you know, as, as, as be as prepared as possible. So uh, thank you for, for sharing. Follow the, um, the guidelines that they do put out there, you know, it, and no, no employee at, at Pat Speak or any other skier wants to argue with you about wearing a face mask or not social physical distancing or anything. No, nobody wants to be in charge of that because that's not fun. And then nobody wants to tell people what to do. We just, we all just have to do what's expected of us, even though we might not totally agree, but we don't have all the answers and we can only go by what's, you know, what the experts are telling us. Like we just, you know, we just don't know. And we're like, okay, we're doing the best we can. We, we want, we want to be, we want to be healthy and we want to, we want to go skiing. So <laughs> this is what we got to do. Yes. We want to be healthy. We want to go skiing, you know, so wear your mask, socially distance and uh, you know, wash your hands and stay home if you're sick. You have to miss a powder day for sick. And that's, uh, that, that's, we got to emphasize that. And again, uh, us are peer pressuring our friends and family not to do anything, um, you know, uh, foolish uh, that risk other people. Um, Want to also ask you, uh, I know we're running out of time. So I wanted to ask you also about Ski New Hampshire. And again, that's uh, a, a nonprofit, uh, private uh, ski area trade association, uh, as you would imagine, representing it looks like 30 alpine and cross-country ski resorts in New Hampshire. They provide government relations and education, marketing and promotion, and uh, networking opportunities. So um, I, are you in touch with them or parts of your, I guess, your, your colleagues sort of, sort of sharing best practices, what you're all kind of thinking about, certainly with the travel advisory? And then um, what do you find most valuable about being a member of the Ski New Hampshire? Yeah, Ski New Hampshire is, is a wonderful organization for the fact that um, it really helps us work together as a state, right? So we're kind of competing against each other for skiers, but we're also competing against other states. So we want to emphasize why coming to New Hampshire is the best. So having a central organization uh, association to do that is, is something that we need to have. Um, and they do a great job um, keeping us all in the loop of what's going on with the state, you know, for um, government relations of employees or whatever that might be that you don't necessarily have your, you know, your focus on. So they bring it to you and you're like, okay. And um, what I think is pretty awesome about Ski New Hampshire is that um, pretty much all the general managers are, uh, well, actually all the general managers were getting together since April or whatever, every week to talk about what's going on and how we can help each other. So they are on, um, so they were able to be part of the, um, the guidelines that were presented to the governor. We, they were able to, Ski New Hampshire was able to compile 
um, what, what things that we thought would work best for us because it's not always good when they tell you what will work best for your company if they don't or your organization if they don't understand it. So we were able to put together what would work for us and um, have go that way. So that was a really, um, I think, a really positive way to go about it. And it just made, gave everyone like peace of mind, like we can do this, how, you know, we can get, we can get to ski the ski season because in April or May or June, we're like, what's going to happen? Are we going to even go skiing? And then they just were able to work through some ideas and also um, keep each other positive, you know, like, okay, how can we do this? And, and things change. There was, okay, every time you would talk, to the general manager, it was like, we're going to do this. And then, no, now we're going to do this. So it, it's definitely was a great organization to keep everybody together um, to have skiing in New Hampshire. So great. Great. No, I'm glad to hear that. And I, I can only imagine weekly meetings, things constantly changing, you know, how um, important it probably is to, to be in touch with your colleagues, even if, like you said, maybe competing for customers, but at the same time, um, you know, it's really uh, also other states and, and certainly the, the success of, I think, the ski industry um, in New Hampshire is, is, is probably good for the other ski areas, you know. Um, yeah, we, we do work well, well with the state, the state of New Hampshire. Um, Department of Travel and Tourism works well with Ski New Hampshire, who in turn works well for all the ski areas in New Hampshire, you know, so um, that's an important partnership that they have too, that they're able to facilitate, right? So it's not like every skier would go to Department of Travel and Tourism, they don't have you know, the capacity to do that, but we have one organization uh, representing all of us, which is awesome. Great, great. Well, Again, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I think, again, timing being what it is, we got to wrap it up. And uh, if you are ready, it's time for the lightning round. Lori, are you ready for the lightning round? I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I probably didn't explain it before. Yeah, no, this is you as an insider at Pat's Peak, things that most most customers, most skiers, most riders don't know about. And uh, I'm going to give you five questions and uh, first thing that comes to mind. So here we go. First up, favorite view from the mountain? Um, the top of um, Cyclone on the top of the mountain. Okay. Top of Cyclone. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Favorite trail and why? Cyclone's still my favorite trail too. Actually, I like Twister. I'm gonna go with Twister. I like Twister. Um, it's 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 a race trail and it's it kind of winds around and it's like more difficult at the top and then it's just like woo, like I don't know, sailing at the bottom. So um, Twister's a fun trail. It's just, and that's in Cascade Basin. It's actually on the main mountain um, on the right side, like okay. straight ahead. Okay. Favorite food or beverage on mountain. Um, nachos. Love nachos. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with nachos. Yeah. Pat's Peak best kept secret. Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. What's a secret? What's a secret? I can't tell you now. Let's see. I think that, um, I, and I talked about it a couple of times, I think is, um, night skiing, I think is a, if you haven't tried it, or you haven't gone in a while, or you haven't gone to Pat's Peak, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised on the night lighting. When I first started there, I was like, oh, I'm going to need clear goggles. I'm going to need all this stuff, but nope, just head out there. And it's just the night lighting is incredible. Um, there's, it's just like, it's a different feel. Like you said, it's a different feel at night, but it's the, you can see where you're going, which I think is pretty cool. 
That's important. <laughs> yeah. I think the night lighting is just, I'm just blown away. I'm still blown away by it. I'm like, it's so great, you know? So. Actually, that's something I didn't ask you specifically. Uh, what are the hours for night skiing? So we have, uh, we're open Monday through Thursday until 9 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays till 10 p.m. And then we're open during holiday periods until um, till nine. And then we have a couple Sundays during the holiday periods that we're open till nine, so. Okay. And obviously check the website for the latest in terms of operating hours. So uh, yes, well, yes, because that's what our, our normal hours are. And as far as I know, that's what we're doing, but things yep. can change. <laughs> Okay. And last thing, if you want folks, listeners to remember one thing from this interview, what would it be? Um, that Pat Speak is a fun place to be where you welcome um, all, all types of skiers. We love to teach people to ski uh, and snowboard. We love families coming. We've had generations of families learn to ski at Pat's Peak. Wherever I go, people say, I love Pat's Peak. I learned to ski there. So <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. So um, know that we uh, welcome all types of skiers, all levels, all ethnicities, like diverse. We have lots of people that come um, to, to learn to ski or um, or just bring their grandkids because they brought their kids. And it's just definitely a fun place to be. Great, well, I think we'll have to leave it there. I will just uh, in this last quote unquote segment, last chair. Lori, is there anything else uh, you want to share that we haven't covered, I haven't asked? Um, I feel like we've done a, a great job talking about everything that I can think of right now. <laughs> so yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you for, um, for including us. And we hope to see you on your Indie Pass. Let me know when you come. Send me a message and uh, we'll say hi from a physical distance. Absolutely. Face covered and, uh, and appropriately distanced. Again, Lori, thank you so much. You've been super generous with your time. We know we went over. And yes, I absolutely want to get some laps uh, this season. I think I'm going to be I'm eyeing uh, coming up for night skiing because I haven't done that in a while. And uh, like I said, only did it once last year and I had a ton of fun. So, um, so let's, well, let's, have let's a ticket um, that um, starts at um, Sometime, sometimes during the week, check, check it out. A ticket that starts at 12.30 that goes to close on some of the nights. So you want to just check that out if you wanted to get there a little earlier. Or we do have a Insider's night. tip. Yeah, so there's a tip, right? Um, Saturday, it's, it's a little different. It's a four to nine ticket, but on um, on the, on a holiday period, you might want to come at like in the afternoon to evening and then still get like more use out of your, out of your ticket. So something to think about um, too. So yeah. Either way. I will be there and look forward to seeing you in person and your colleagues. Thank you again for you're everything welcome. you're doing and your colleagues uh, tirelessly trying to figure out how to make this work and good luck with the technology and the system. I think it's all going to come together. It usually comes together at the last minute. I know and, uh, it I is will... stressful when it's last minute, but <laughs> I'm feeling better about it. So thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. Well, again, uh, listeners, follow Pat's Peak on Twitter at Pat's Peak. Also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, their website. Check. Know before you go. Check it frequently. We will leave it there. Thank you again, Lori, for joining me today. You're welcome. Our last segment is the super short episode ski trivia question. A Powder Hounds podcast is not complete without a ski trivia question. It also dawned on me it would make much more sense if the trivia question was about the episode featured ski area. <laughs> so here we go. Debuting in the early 2000s, what is included in the Pat's Peak Pop Pass? Hint, the lift ticket package is valid morning, afternoon, and evening. The answer, 
will be posted on Twitter at PowderHoundSkis. Looks like it's 4 o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you to my guest, Lori Rowell, Pat's Peak, New Hampshire. Thank you to my listeners. Follow me on Twitter at PowderHoundSkis, or better yet, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slope, Powderhounds. We got a fire going down by the riverside. Sip whiskey out the bar, living like we'll never die. Come on and stay a while if you don't believe.